Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Download our free course, Profit for Small Firm Architects, at entrearchitect.com slash free course. You're listening to Entree Architect Podcast, and this is episode 163. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, whether you're in the process of launching a startup, or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. I encourage each and every one of you to share your knowledge, share what you know. When we share with other architects, we all benefit and, and we all learn from one another. Our community will thrive and the profession will grow. When I first launched Entree Architect Podcast back on December 12, 2012, one of my primary goals was to provide a platform for other small firm architects, entrepreneur architects, to share their story. And after 162 episodes, I have certainly succeeded with that goal. Well, this week, with this episode, I'm launching a new series called The Entrepreneur Architect, where I will be interviewing you, members of the Entree Architect community. I want to know your story. I want to give you an opportunity to share some of your knowledge. Each guest will share their story and then answer a series of questions that will help them provide value to you, the listeners of our show. 
So let's do this. Let's get to know our first guest on the series, The Entrepreneur Architect, Michelle Grace Huddle. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is sponsored by NCARB, helping architects reach their career goals. Explore your options today at ncarb.org, N-C-A-R-B.org. And TrueStyle, the leader in high-end architectural interior doors. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash TrueStyle, that's T-R-U-S-T-I-L-E. And FreshBooks, the easiest way to send invoices, manage expenses, and track your time. Learn more at freshbooks.com slash architect. Michelle Grace Hoddle, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. <laughs> Hi, Mark. It's great to finally meet you after, what, two years of blogging, right? Yeah, exactly. We've uh, we've been following each other for a long time on uh, on social media and through the uh, Arca Speak, uh, the Arca Talks uh, blog yes. series. Yeah. Uh, let me tell people a little bit about you. Michelle has been practicing architecture with her own firm, Michelle Grace Hoddle Architects, since 1994 and is licensed in California and Texas. She's a commissioner and subject matter expert for California Architects Board and uh, the City of La Mesa Planning Commissioner. Uh, as an active member of the Architect blog series, you can read her blog, I Never Met an, a Woman Architect Before, The Trials and Tribulations of Being a Woman Architect, Wife and Mother, which I love the name of your blog. Uh, <laughs> you can find that at I-N-M-A, as in I Never Met A, so I-N-M-A, womanarchitect.blogspot.com, and we'll have a link to that on the show notes as well. Um, and uh, And let's... Let's start, Michelle, with your origin story. Let's sort of go back in time where you, where you discovered architecture, what inspired you to become an architect, and give us your, your story, your journey to where you find yourself today. Okay, Mark. Um, going way back, I, I think I've, um, I've, I, always, I always liked drawing. I mean, you know, from a very young age, probably like probably three or something like that. And then um, in four at four, when uh, I have an October birthday, so I had to kind of have a little test for um, for my uh, for getting into kindergarten. So <laughs> so um, <laughs> what what date in October? October 27th. Okay, my son is October 3rd. I wanted to check. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was October 27th. Uh, and so I went to the school and I met with the uh, with the school psychologist. And one of the questions he said was like, oh, draw a person of a uh, drop, a picture of a person. And I actually drew a picture of him. And, you know, he thought that that was pretty funny. <laughs> and, and he went and took it over to the principal's office like immediately. And I guess they thought that I wasn't too weird because they let me into kindergarten. So um, and probably, you know, I really enjoyed drawing in kindergarten. And then in first grade, um, you know, everybody had art and music class at our school. I grew I grew up in um, uh, a small suburb outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, one square mile. Um, it's called Dormont. And um, the the teacher asked, you know, the art teacher said, oh, would you like to um, would you like to come with some other students to my house on the weekends? 
um, you know, on Saturdays to have art classes. And, you know, I, I asked my parents and they said, sure. So that was like in first grade. Wow. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think I really just, you know, math was never my thing. Um, I've always enjoyed, you know, English and the sciences, the humanities, but, um, uh, that was really kind of a way that, um, that, uh, you know, I really felt um, accepted, I guess, you know, I, I, that was kind of, you know, that was, you know, that, that was, I think that was a good beginning to be encouraged, you know, if they, if they, you know, if, if a teacher sees a talent, you know, in, in a child to really kind of um, explore that and encourage that with them. So, um, and so I always, you know, I, I was always drawing and, um, you know, painting and other things. We had a really good arts program in, in Pittsburgh then. Um, I don't know what it's like now. <laughs> uh, but um, probably in the uh, in the eighth grade, um, I took a drafting class because in the eighth grade, they actually switched it over that, um, that uh, both sexes had to be, you know, they couldn't be separated. So, you know, before that, um, you know, wood shop was only taken by the boys and um, home ec was only by the girls. I don't, I mean, that seems wow. insane. Imagine that today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, you know, so it's like a lot of people, you know, they talk about feminism and, oh, I don't need to be a feminist. I mean, I'm, I consider myself to be not that old. I mean, I'm 52. So I think that people really have to like look back to see how things were before. <laughs> So, um, you know, so uh, the, none of the seventh graders, so the guys that I was with, they didn't have to do home ec in seventh grade because they only changed this was like, when I was in eighth grade, but I actually got to do wood shop and then, um, and, but it also included um, drafting. So I, you know, I drafted something. And then also in eighth grade, we had a health class and we were supposed to, you know, pick our career in eighth grade but, right, so right. We, the rest of your life determine it yeah, <laughs> yep. and it, yeah at age here. 12 yeah, yeah i guess i guess i was age 12 or something of that so i picked um i picked three things um one of them was art an artist um the second one was an architect and then because there was so much math involved and, you know, I could see all of the math that was going to be, you know, what classes I had to take the, um, for to be an architect. I also put drafter. So um, uh, when I went into high school, I took art, I think, in ninth grade. But then in 10th grade, they had a drafting class that also included some architectural drafting. So I did that. And then in 11th and 12th grade, um, we could go half the day to regular uh, high school and then half a day to um to a technical school that was in the area that all the high schools were kind of feeding into. So I took, um, a, it was, I think that, you know, for two years you went there and it was called mechanical drafting and design or design technology or something like that. Um, so I, I drafted there. So that was really, you know, and because I wasn't, because I didn't have time in, in, um, in high school to really do any art classes, I was also taking art classes um, on Saturday at the Art Institute of Pittsburgh. They had a Saturday teen art program there from like nine to 12 on Saturday morning. So um, 
I, I guess that really kind of prepared me for architecture school. We were going to have a, have to do a lot of work. <laughs> so um, uh, we moved to um, we moved to California, and I started going. We weren't residents of California, so I started going to the community college for two years, and then transferred to um, Cal Poly Pomona, and um, went to Cal Poly Pomona for second and third year and then there's a program that we have the international program in California you can go abroad for a year um, and you still pay the same amount of as in-state tuition so that's a really <laughs> that's a really good deal um, they still have that program and um, so um, I I went there I went to Denmark and then you know I had my fifth year back at Cal Poly and then I started um, I started working for a woman architect in Santa Monica for a few years, then went back home for kind of that idle year, you know, the economy, that, by the time it was, so I graduated in 88, you know, it was around 88, 89, you know, we were kind of, <laughs> we were kind of in a recession. Yeah, um, yeah so um, as we have been several times, <laughs> um, then I, uh, I went back, you know, I, I um, worked for my stepdad who, who um, he's a design engineer and he asked me if I wanted to do the tenant improvement on my, um, uh, on his office that he was working for. So I, I did that. I kind of did some design work for their house and then I came, you know, and then kind of would uh, commute up to LA for other projects if people needed me for like a week or something. And, um, I had started working for an architect in 1983. So even when I was going to school, I was working for and always working for small firms. Um, and so I, I worked for, you know, uh, this one architect kind of doing socially conscious projects. Um, we worked on the um, Metropolitan Community Church, which is a project. Um, it's a church for a uh, gay and lesbians and um also incorporated an aids memorial wall because you know there there wasn't you know there wasn't a cure for aids then um and then also the the place that was next door um there was an organization called caring for babies with aids that was taking a lot of um babies that were born with aids where their parents had had passed away and so they could, um, it was more of like a home environment. And then if they got really sick, they would go to the hospital. So, um, so I helped design that with this woman and we did a lot of affordable, you know, housing in, um, Santa Monica for the community corporation of Santa Monica. And that's, um, and then also, you know, I worked for, you know, things on the other end, the, you know, high end custom residential for people in the entertainment industry. <laughs> so. Broad, so broad of, range. Good yeah, broad range. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then um, when I was uh, when I was pregnant with my daughter, I was kind of wondering if you know I didn't I didn't know whether I wanted to put her in daycare and still work for somebody else. So I um I uh, you know I gave birth to her and I had kind of stopped working at that place. And then three weeks later somebody called and asked if I wanted to do some, you know, contract work for them. And then, then I got other projects on my own, you know, through referrals for, from people. And, um, uh, 
that's just kind of the way. And then, you know, I had another child <laughs> and we moved down to San Diego We had another child. And then I think at that point, you're kind of like, gosh, am I really, am I really going to be able to have a firm? Like, am I really going to be able to practice architecture kind of in the traditional sense where, you know, you're putting your entire life into your firm. And, you know, I kind of said, you know what, it's architecture is going to be here you know, 50 years from now, and if I take some time off, or I only do a few projects a year, you know, that's, you know, that's going to be fine. So that's kind of how, and, and, um, no, I've just, I've been doing it for 23 years now. So. Yeah. It's, and it's, I mean, that's, that's one of the wonderful things about our profession is that we can do that, um, mm -hmm. that, that we can, you know, uh, work for big giant firms or we can start our own practices and have a more flexible entrepreneurial life um because, yes. so you're you know you're you're a perfect example of a of an entrepreneur architect sort of you know starting your own business and, and making it work and um, the other thing it was very interesting very early in your story you talked about your the influences of school and the people around you uh that sort of um led you towards architecture and it, and it and I just wanted to highlight that and how important it is for the profession to go that far back to to educate um, teachers and educate um, guidance counselors on what architects are and what they do, uh, and to show the the um, the possibility of people becoming architects. Uh, um, yes, yes. I mean, I I believe that that's you know I I think that that's really important and you know a positive. Um, you know, just kind of a positive experience, you know, like kind of looking at that. The other, um, I was also a, um, my, uh, my first year at Cal Poly, I was in second year and they have a program, it's called the Summer Intensive Orientation Program that takes a lot of students from the area who are kind of, you know, quote unquote minority students. And um, kind of, it, we, you know, um, we have them for one week and you know we stayed in the dorms which is the only time that i had ever stayed in the dorms and um and you know kind of gave them tastes of you know of architecture landscape architecture and urban and regional planning and you know kind of open up their eyes to you know to careers that way and um you know it was really exciting because you know it's like you know you're with these you know kids right and you know, for a week and you're like, oh, are they ever, are they going to come back here? But um, I think I was in my fifth year. I was in my fifth year and there were two of the students that came up to me that had been there in that. And they said, oh, did you, you know, did you remember me? You know, do you remember me? And I was like, oh yeah, I, I remember you, you know? So, I mean, that was, I mean, that was exciting. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I just wanted to point that out. Um, what was what was one big goal that you achieved in your career and talk about how uh, the process that you used to to achieve that goal? Um, I, I think that would be, you know, getting getting licensed and, you know, I mean, I don't know when I when I think about it, I don't think that it's really that long of a process. But, you know, with <laughs> when I actually did the math, <laughs> um, you know, it's uh, six years of school and, you know, and I had, I had worked for firms while I was in school. So, you know, that counted towards my work experience. And, you know, so I was able to take, you know, start taking the exam probably a year out of school, but, um, you know, that, that was back, you know, that was back in the day. I know, um, uh, 
I think Collier Ward said that he likes to hear all my old war stories or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was that was back in the day when you could only take the exam, um, you know, the written exam at, at once a year. Yeah. You know, so everybody would kind of, you know, study and say, oh, are you going to take the exam? And then you would you would take the exam. I mean, where I took it in Southern California was in the Pomona Fairgrounds building. And it's these huge, this huge building, you know, and then they have all of the people who all of the older people who started it with the lower numbers are at the front. And then they have everybody you're you're in you know, you're in numeric order. So it's like, and then the people at the end, you know, way in the back are the people that have just started out. And I can just remember, <laughs> I think the only part of me that's maybe somewhat competitive, I can remember seeing the people at the beginning and I was like, I never want to be in that spot. <laughs> so, so, um, uh, you know, people are like, oh, did you did you study for it or you must be a good test taker? And, I, you know, I'm not a good test taker, um, you know, or I, I wasn't before. I mean, I even I don't know. I even questioned myself on those little Facebook quizzes. You know, is it orange? Is it green? And I don't know. <laughs> Which did I see first? You know? um, so uh, I just I mean, I think that it was kind of just, um, you know, at Cal Poly, they kind of really encouraged people to get licensed. So it was just one of those things where, you know, everybody's like, oh, okay, are you going to study for the exam? Or, you know, we just, I mean, you know, of course we copied all of the old, you know, exam books and, you know, you just, um, you know, I took a few days off of work to go to my parents' house to just really kind of study and then just took the whole next week and just took all the exams all in one. So I think there were eight or nine or something, just took them, you know, Every single day you're taking the exams, you take all eight or nine exams. The last day, Friday, I believe, uh, you know, was the design exam, which was the big 12 hour exam. And, you know, everybody was saying, oh, you're never, you know, I mean, just in general, oh, people don't pass the design exam the first time around. And, you know, so just go in and just, you know, just try to do it. And um, uh, I, I just, I just went in and you know, at six o'clock in the morning. And I don't think that I ate anything the entire time. And at, you know, um, at, uh, um, you know, at five 30, all you can hear is, you know, <laughs> you know <laughs> from, from everybody stippling and, um, and, you know, I, and I, I ended up, I, I passed it the first time. You know, I mean, it was an architect's office building in San Antonio, Texas, and I just, I think it had a, I think I used um, masonry, you know, concrete block, and I put flags on the top. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so um, you know, I mean, I just, I just think that, you know, you just, uh, you just, you know, have, you just have to do it. You know, it's like, I think a lot of people, it's like, oh, I don't know, or I have to study or, oh, I have to pass it the first time because it's so expensive. You know, you just go in and you just do it. And I think, you know, I passed half of them, including the design exam. And then the next couple of years, I like passed it. I think I only took, serious, I think I only took one, um, one seminar. And I think that that was, might have been on site planning. And then I was actually working at a structural engineer's office um 
in Venice Beach. And, uh, you know, they said, Michelle, you know, and I wasn't passing general structures. I had taken it a couple of times and they said, well, you know, what was your score? And I said, I don't know. I, I think it's like 85 or something. And I said, OK, well, you're not missing it by very much because I think passing was maybe 89 or something. And, you know, they said, we'll just, you know, we'll just, um, you know, we'll tutor you on, you know, we'll tutor you. And so they they tutored me and, you know, I passed it the next time. And then um, uh, I then you move on to the we have the California supplemental exam, which used to be an oral interview. So you'd have, you know, the panel of three people in front of you and then they they ask you questions for I don't know, like you can take as long as you want to. But um, I think maybe I was in there for 45, 50 minutes or something. And, um, you know, again, when people are waiting for like this perfect time to take the exam, it was the week after the Northridge quake. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was three months pregnant and throwing up every day at least a couple times a day so it's, it's like sometimes just do it you know just do it and try to get it done and and again I was um I was sitting there waiting to go in you know to go upstairs in the elevator and I'm sitting there looking and there was a woman there that was going to take it and she had um a toddler in a stroller and again I was like oh my gosh like I hope that I pass yeah, yeah. right because you don't want to yeah, I guess, I guess I don't know whether I'll be able to do it if, you know, after right. this. Let's take a quick break here to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, NCARB, True Style Doors, and Fresh Books. Do you know someone in your firm who's always dreamed of getting licensed but was unable to complete the experience requirement? Well, maybe that person's you. Now you can get back on track with NCARB's new AXP portfolio. With this option, seasoned professionals can complete the Architectural Experience Program, the AXP, formerly the IDP, they've switched things up a little bit, by submitting an online portfolio. And along with meeting your state's education and examination requirements, the portfolio will help you or your employee get one step closer to becoming an architect. Learn more about the AXP portfolio at ncarb.org slash entrearchitect. TrueStyle is passionate about providing us small firm architects with the inspiration and the tools to transform our designs with the most authentic and distinctive doors available. And now we can see TrueStyle doors and how they worked with the National Association of Home Builders and architect Phil Keen to create a show-stopping interior door package for the 2017 New American Home. To download the case study or watch a video and learn how True Style Doors can help differentiate your next project, visit entrearchitect.com slash truestyle. True Style, driven by design. Visit entrearchitect.com slash truestyle. So how do you get paid faster? Well, one more way is to use FreshBooks. FreshBooks is a full function online accounting system built for us, small firm architects. We're small businesses. It includes invoices, uh, expense management, time tracking, and so much more. It does everything I wanted to do in order to get paid faster. I could send invoices efficiently on the same day. I could set up FreshBooks to automatically send reminders with the words and the timing that I want. 
and I can accept credit cards for payment. You should give it a try. When you're ready to give FreshBooks a try, go to freshbooks.com architect and sign up for your free 30-day unrestricted trial and get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, more organized, and most importantly, get paid faster. FreshBooks.com slash architect. And don't forget to let them know that Entree Architect sent you in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That, that, that leads us right into that next question is, is what's, what's a struggle that you experienced? Certainly that would have been a struggle, you know, taking that final exam there. Um, but what is the struggle that you experienced and how did you overcome that struggle? I, I think it's the struggle that I still have, and that is that I never passed college algebra, so I officially do not have my architecture degree. And um, I still, you know, I um, I still struggle with that. <laughs> I still struggle. I did try to take it last year, and um, it's the same course, but they now teach it from a pre-calculus book. And it's a lot it's a lot more difficult to go back after that so i i dropped it halfway through the semester <laughs> i'm that's not something i'm proud of but <laughs> um and i think the other the other one is kind of you know um kind of finding a way to be you know an architect and a stay-at-home mom because yeah. um uh when I was, you know, when I was in LA, uh, you know, after I had my daughter, I can remember being at an opening and a, and a guy said to me like, Oh, you know, what do you do? And I said, Oh, I'm, I'm an architect, but you know, I'm, I'm like raising my daughter right now. So I'm really only doing it part time. And he said, I could never do that. <laughs> Be a part time and architect or, or <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. He could never do that. And he could probably never breastfeed either. Yeah, I'm sure he couldn't. (laughs) 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 But but I'm just I'm just saying that, you know, it's like there's more there's more than one way to practice architecture. And I and I think that, you know, it probably took me a while to be, you know, more confident in that. But I think that that's something that maybe comes with age and more and more acceptance from the profession. That's also I mean that's yeah. that's one of the reasons why I wanted to create this series is to is to uh, let architects tell their story so we can all recognize that we're not alone. You know that that mm-hmm. not only are we not alone as individual architects, but our stories are so similar very often that that many of us are struggling with the things that you're struggling with. And so, um, thanks for sharing that and 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 being being uh, you know so honest with that. What about um, you know, uh, an aha moment, that moment where you discovered something and it sort of changed the way you look at, at what you're doing. Uh, and how did you turn that aha moment into success for your, your career? Um, I, I think that aha moment probably happened when my youngest was three and, um, uh, I had, I had gotten a project and it was, it was a project that I was really excited about. And, um, that's the project that I have. That's, um, it's a point Loma house and it's kind of on, you know, it's on a hillside and, you know, he said, Oh, I want glass everywhere. And this is probably in 2000, 
2003. Yeah, 2003, because my son, my third was born in 2000. So this is like 2003. And kind of before that, it's like I would kind of do projects. But, you know, I mean, this was kind of a chance to be like, wow, you know, and I said, oh, well, let's, you know, and then I kind of talked with the structural engineer because, you know, because I do, um, you know, I did work for a structural engineer's office. Like, I, you know, maybe I'm a little bit you know, more in touch with structure than maybe somebody that has, I drafted a lot of the projects for, you know, a lot of kind of the trendy architects on the west side of Los Angeles yeah. <laughs> in the, um, you know, uh, 90s. So, um, uh, um, I just I really felt like, wow, I'm I'm going to do this project and then seeing it built and and, you know, and then I was like, wow, I, I can be, you know, I can be a woman and I can be a wife and I can be a mother and I can have my own firm and, you know, and just be me and and, you know, and it'll be fine, you know, so. So I think that that was kind of yeah. like the aha moment. So I love that answer. I love that answer because I think, you know, not only women, I think men struggle with that too. Men who want yeah. to be, um, you know, uh, very involved in their families. That's how I am. That's why we started our firm is so, yeah. so we can be part of our families and sort of integrate our lives. And I think very often um, both men and women sort of struggle with that and don't always feel like it's okay. And then at some yeah. point something clicks like what you're talking about. Your aha moment is that it clicked in your head that, it is okay. We can we can yeah. do this all. We can be a yeah. mom and we can, you know, run to school when we need to and be a professional and create that amazing piece of architecture. Uh, and that's the choice that we make. And certainly there are sacrifices that come with that lifestyle. Um, but there are so many benefits to a lifestyle like that as well. So yes. uh, that's a great, yes. great aha moment. Um, what's one thing that uh, has you most excited about your business today? Oh, um, I think that, you know, I mean, there's a, I, I think that everybody has a lot of work right now. So I think that's kind of exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's always exciting when you've got work. And then I, you know, I'm, I'm like doing, you know, another project that I think like design wise, I'm probably as, you know, pretty excited about it. Like the Point Loma house, you know, it's like you really don't have, and, and, um, you know, I'm, you know, the, the clients are, you know, it's like they said, oh, we want, you know, we want something modern, we want something, you know, this, but then there were also all of these, um, these uh, the restrictions with the planning uh, code for the city of Coronado. So, you know, um, at first I was thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to de design everything with all these restrictions. Oh, and then they also have an, an art collection and so they all had to incorporate all this art on the walls and the house is very small. So it's kind of been, it's kind of been a really, but it's, I think it's turning out, you know, pretty, pretty good. So I think that's something that I'm excited about. And, and, um, you know, I think, I think that there's, you know, some other projects in the work. So, yeah, that's exciting. All right. So let's, let's get into some quick questions. I have a list of okay. quick questions that I have. For you, um, and these can be, you know, brief answers. They don't, you don't have to get too deep into them. But just, uh, we'll go through these and see how it goes. At what age did you decide to become an architect? Like twelve. Uh, other than architecture, what makes you happy? Oh, my family. That's a that's an easy one. My family. I mean, as much as like sometimes you know when you're trying to get something out and you, the kids are like, 
you know, asking questions. I mean, even now they're 16, 18 and 22. And they're still, there's still like something like, Oh, Oh, I need this or, Oh, you know, but, um, I just, I mean, I, I just really enjoy them. I mean, we're, we're a creative family and it's, I mean, it, it can be really fun. So what's the best advice you've ever received? This this is kind of funny because I thought that maybe the best advice was no advice that I got from. <laughs> Explain <this. laughs> The best advice I got from my uh, from my grandparents and my parents, I think, is that um, you know when I said that I wanted to be an architect. Uh, nobody, nobody in my family ever said like, oh, you, you can't be an architect or, you know, you're not good at math or nobody, nobody ever said that in my family. And, yeah. and, you know, and that, and I've, I've seen kind of, you know, I've seen some other, you know, family situations where I think, you know, um, like they're kind of like shut down that way. And, and with me, you know, I, I don't, you know, they, they never told me that I couldn't do anything. <laughs> and, and I mean, my, my, um, you know, I had kind of, uh, you know, my grandfather was a, a teamster. He had, you know, he was a, you know, he was a crane operator and then like a union rep on the job site. And then my, you know, my other grandfather was in construction, you know, my dad had like worked for, um, you know, my dad could draft, he had been an engineering major and then dropped out of school. But, um, and then my stepdad was a design engineer. So it's kind of, a, you know, my mom was always encouraging and said, you know, get, you know, I, that you, you know, that you should get a degree, but she never said, you know, get a degree, like what I should get it in. Or, you know, she just said like, you know, you should get a college degree. And, you know, when, when I said, you know, and my grandmother, um, you know, she was living with us when I was at community college and, you know, I mean, I was living there and she saw how hard I was working and, you know, they, they never said like, Oh, why are you sure you want to do this? Or, you know, you know, Oh, you can't do this because you're a woman. And I, I mean, other people in other families, like that's, you know, that's what they go through. And, you know, really it's like, I never, I was kind of, um, you know, my mom's side of the family, there were a lot of women who had, uh, you know, who were born like, like the late 1800s, you know, my grandmother was born in 1905 and they're, they were very progressive, you know, I mean, you know, half of them had gone to college and, you know, like pursuing like a medical degree and, and, um, they were just kind of very, uh, I guess progressive for the time. So I never heard, you know, I had these older aunts in the family and these great aunts and they never said oh you can't do architecture it was just it was it was very i mean it was it's it's very good i mean that's so that's the best advice yeah i love that so so your best advice was no no advice that there was <laughs> it was support it was you know that yes. here, here was what yeah. you wanted to do and they're like okay let's figure out yeah. how to do that yeah yeah that's, that's exactly great. yeah um, what about yeah. uh one personal habit that contributes to your success um, this was funny because I, I asked my daughter because you said personal habit and I didn't know like what exactly you meant by personal habit. I said, I said maybe coffee in the morning or in coffee, like several times during the day. But, um, you know, my daughter was like, oh, you have peanut butter toast or bagel in the morning. And then what did she say? Oh, saying everyone's first and last name. <laughs> 
good. She said when I tell a story or something, I'm always using the person's first and last name for some reason. I don't know. And um, doing doing everything myself is one of the things that she said, which uh, that's not really something that I want to do. But, but um, and uh, oh, I loving intensely. That's a good one. That's a good one. And the peanut butter toast, I think is good, too. Yes. <laughs> what about an, uh, an app or an internet resource that you would recommend? Um, oh, Entree Architect, right? All right. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I'll take that. Uh, what about a book? <laughs> why, a book that you would recommend and why? Oh, and the, um, anybody from hashtag Architects, like I like the, you know, Archispeak, of course, you know, Bob, I mean, I would have never, um, you know, had I not made some, you know, smart ass comment on Bob. Uh, <laughs> you have to be careful being a smart ass on Bob's blog. I know. Um, you know, and then I, uh, I got an email from him saying like, okay, you know, I think, I think it was something about women in architecture. And I think it was something that Rosa had like um, that she had published. And then I had made some comment to Bob about it. And then and then he said, so do you want to do you want to blog? You know, and, and I said, I said, sure. I, I had never blogged before. You know, I had actually started that blog like a few years before, but I'd never written anything on it. So this this was a way for me really to start, you know, actually writing. And that's what that's what makes me write every month, like giving a deadline and everything. So I think that that's been a great thing. Yeah, yeah. that's a great one. Um, and anybody who's interested in the Architalk series, they can go to pretty much any social media and search hashtag Architalks uh, and you'll find everybody's uh, link and every every post that's an architect's post at the bottom everybody shares everybody else's post so once you find one you'll be able to read all of them for that series and it's a series that happens every month uh originally organized by bob worson uh over at lifeofanarchitect.com um what about a book a book uh, recommended book and why you know, I would love to give some esoteric book, but I, you know, I'm not, I mean, I, besides like Dr. Seuss or something like that, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, any Dr. Seuss book. Um, but, you know, I was, uh, I was thinking um, a pattern language. Oh, a very good one. Yeah. Yeah. By Christopher Alexander. I just think that it's just, I mean, you can, you can read small pieces of it, you know, and that, and um, it was given to me by a friend. It was just supposed to, there you go. I have it right there, behind yeah. me within arms. Yeah. Reach. Yes. Yes. And um, it was given to me by a friend who, um, you know, who passed away a couple years after he had, he'd actually loaned it to me and I still, I still have it. Uh, what's one thing an entrepreneur architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? So that's sort of an idea of something that somebody can execute very quickly and see a result happen in the short term. I, I think the blogs, I think the blogs have really been, I mean, I was kind of amazed by how many hits I've had on the blogs, And, you know, I mean, I, I can always refer clients to, to that. And, um, you know, I, I think I think it's just a great experience. I mean, it's it's good for everybody, you know, because we we do have like this, um, you know, this common, you know, commonality, um, you know, and experiences. And, you know, it's it's um, 
I, I just think it's a good way to, you know, to learn about architecture and kind of express yourself. And, you know, then you can refer clients to it and, you know, they can kind of look around because um, I, I just think that, you know, a lot of a lot of people, I mean, our clientele, they don't really they don't really know what an architect does. You know, they'll say, oh, you draw blueprints. Right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um, uh, I think another thing is to is to talk to people in the public. Like I was at a tile showroom. You know, I was there two days in a row, and both times, you know, um, there were people there that were trying to pick up tile. And then I was talking with the salesperson that I usually, and they and they said, "Oh, well, so do you do this? You know, do you this?" And I said, "Oh, well, I'm an architect." And they said, "Well, I didn't I didn't know architects picked out the tile." And I said, oh, yeah. And I said, well, you know, I'm like do residential art. And then I, you know, I, you know, I, I told them that. And, you know, so it's like I, I still pass out my card. I just I think that, you know, just getting your name out there and talking to people, um, you know, about architecture and, you know, and what architects do. Yeah. If anybody is interested in the architect, the Architalks series, um, they can go to Life of an Architect and send Bob an email. And uh, and if you wanted to write as part of that series, Bob will put you on the list, and uh, and you'll get all the notification, and you could be part of it too. I think that's a great uh, suggestion. Um, let's uh, wrap things up with one parting piece of guidance, and uh, and then how best to connect with you. Okay. Um, oh, uh, that um, I think people should just be real. I mean, you know, you kind of touched on it and um uh i think that that you know that especially for residential architecture i think that you know people will relate to you if you're just you know who you are you know i mean they're gonna have you know they're gonna have their kids you know that you know you've got your kids or something you know relating to that um one of the people that's an administrator at one of the local architecture schools was saying oh you're you're my favorite woman architect because you're real. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't say much for other women architects. <laughs> or, or, or I don't know, or any architect. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I don't know. And um, so I think you know, just be real. And I also um think that uh that you know you should be yourself and and also you know be empathetic. I mean, I I think um. I think one of the things uh, Paul Goldberger actually said something about like how, you know, architects should be involved in, um, you know, in uh, um, social issues. And, you know, like like there were a bunch of people that said architects don't need to be involved in social issues, you know, da, 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 da. you know, and and I'm like, well, you know, we're we're designing spaces for people, you know, which is a social issue. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so. I, I think that if um, I think some of the people are saying, oh, architecture school doesn't uh, doesn't prepare you for that or, you know, it doesn't it doesn't do that. But, um, you know, I mean, I, I I think it should. And I think that there are um, schools out there that are kind of really, you know, um, you know, really focusing on, you know, certain areas like I know, uh, you know, Cal Poly, we used to have to go in fourth year, they used to have to go down to areas, you know, like Watts and, you know, they would, it would be, you know, kind of like redesigning the area and, you know, in second year, 
at uh, at Cal Poly, you know, we had a um, project that we had to design a toy for. Um, it used to be called Lanterman Institute. They don't even have it anymore. But it was um, it was a place for people who were mentally disabled. And so, you know, we would given a project and we would you know design a toy, and then they would come to the school and you know we could give them the toy. And um, you know, I I think I think projects like that are are really good, and I think that they're um, really needed. And you know, it's it's all about you know who who your client is and designing something for your client. What's uh, what's the best way for listeners to connect with you if they wanted to reach out and thank you for uh, sharing your knowledge today? <laughs> um, they can always go on my blog or they can reach me at my email address, which is M-G-H-O-T-T-E-L-A-R-C at gmail.com. Michelle, thank you very much for joining me here today and for sharing your knowledge here at Andre Architects Podcast. Thank you so much, Mark. If you liked what we shared today, complete show notes and a direct link to download this episode will be found at entrearchitect.com slash episode 163. And if you want to be a guest here at Entre Architect Podcast as a featured entrepreneur architect, connect with us anywhere on social media. Just reach out to us or send an email directly to me at podcast at entrearchitect.com. We want to help you share your story. Podcast at entrearchitect.com and just send us a request that you want to be featured on the Entrepreneur Architect series here at Entre Architect Podcast. And don't forget to visit the website at entrearchitect.com slash free course and pick up your free course, Profit for Small Firm Architects, entrearchitect.com slash free course will get you there and it will teach you how to build a powerful profit plan that will work for your small firm. My name is Mark Arlapage. I'm hoping that you like this new series. I want you to share your knowledge. So send me an email. Let me know. I'm an entrepreneur architect. I want you to share your knowledge and I encourage you to go build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, share what you know. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. 
Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.